titled the message this morning, Why Come to Church? It's a simple question, but again, we've got to stop and think about the answer that we would give on why we come to church. So as we're there in Acts chapter number two, again, <clears throat> today's message is kind of a more of, a, of a, a thought-provoking message, I guess you would say, to help each one of us understand the importance of being here in church. So let me start by asking this question and getting some answers. Why do we have church services? Why are you here? Why do you come? It's okay to answer. Wow, I got answers real quick. Praise God, what else? Obedience, what else? Fellowship. Learn. Enjoy. Endure, I'm sorry. I enjoy, I guess. <laughs> what else? Worship. We can give a lot of great answers, and these are some great spiritual answers that we are given, and that's what I would expect, especially if we're in, out with everyone else. That's the kind of answers we would give. Now I want you to ask yourself, why do you come? Why do you come? Uh, oftentimes we may give an answer to everyone in front of a crowd, in front of other people. Yes, this is the answers that they want to hear. This is what I'm supposed to say. But deep down inside, why is it that I come? Why is it that I'm here this morning in church? Again, some have a different perspective on why they come to church. Uh, <clears throat> they think maybe uh, uh, I'm, I'm here because I'm supposed to be here. Maybe uh, it's out of obligation. Maybe because I've always done that. Maybe some are even forced to say, well, I have to come. Mom and dad makes me or, or whatever the case. But uh, again, we've got to understand the reasons why we are here, having a true perspective on why we personally attend church can help us change maybe our outlook. Maybe it can help us focus on what's important. Maybe give us a better understanding of Scripture, an appreciation for His sacrifice, and a greater comprehension during our service. Again, but it, to get an honest assessment, you have to give a truthful answer. Yes, we may say things. We may give that answer or, or quote this or this, that, and the other, but... What is it that truly we believe in why we attend church? So with this uh, thought of going in and looking at the church, I figured no better place than to come to Acts chapter number two, the starting of the, uh, again, the, the local New Testament church that I believe. So let's look here in Acts chapter two. We're going to read just one verse, verse 42, and then we'll move on to some other scriptures. But let's look at Acts chapter two, verse number 42. It says, and they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. We said all those things for reasons for attending our service this morning. Yes, we want to have fellowship. Yes, we're here to learn. Yes, we're to, to continue on the things that we've been told. Nobody mentioned anything about eating, though. Man. We're Baptists. Why, what? Nobody gave that. But again, these are all the things that we've looked at. These are the answers that we have given. But if we were to go back and, and look at the verses prior to this, we would understand who these people were. They, uh, again, were the ones that had repented of their sins. They were the ones that were baptized. This is what we call the local church. And this morning, in the first message of a series that I'm going to be preaching, I want to give you four things to help us understand this question on why we come to church. Why we come to church. But let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get in the message this morning. Lord, again, we thank you for those that have given up their time, Lord, that have sacrificed 
the most precious thing we have, our time, and give it back to you. Thank you for allowing us to meet in this, this building this morning. We have electricity. We have heat. Lord, we have all the comforts of all the different things that we need. And I pray that you would help us not take that for granted, but uh, appreciate what you've blessed us with. Lord, as we take the time this morning to open up your word again, I pray that you would help us to truly consider why is it that we attend? Why are we here? And Lord, I pray the answers that we get are truthful answers, or answers that we know are right. I pray that you would just work in hearts and lives this morning, Lord, again, that we would understand this truth of what you've given us in Scripture. We love you, and again, we thank you for all that you've done, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, obviously, we are here this morning as part of the local New Testament church. But again, why are we here? As I said, there are some that come because they feel obligated to be here. Uh, I've just always gone to church, and that's what I'm supposed to do, or I'm forced to. I've known some through the years, again, who have felt this way, who have felt obligated to come. Maybe if we understand that church more, then we will have a greater love for it and desire to be part of it. To do that, we need to first look at what I've called the picture of the church. So number one this morning is the picture of the church. When we started the church, we have to whittle down to its basic facts. First, we have the who. And of course, you've got to start with the who, right? Who is the church? If you have been safe and baptized, then you are part of God's church. What many people often refer to maybe as the universal church. But there's more to it, the church, than just that. Scripture goes on to teach the establishment of the local New Testament church. The Apostle Paul likens the church unto a body. It uh, helps us understand maybe our roles and responsibilities a little bit better. So I want you to flip over to Ephesians chapter number 4, and that's where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning. Ephesians chapter number 4. It's amazing how God gives you a thought and you begin to prepare and he takes you somewhere and uh, here, boom, here's your outline. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Because I wanted to stay in the book of Acts, but God said, no, I'm going to take you here and uh, we'll, you'll see here in a minute. But uh, let's look here in Ephesians chapter 4. Look with me at verses 11 and 12. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Again, the Lord has placed each person in this body to help grow his church in this area and to further the gospel message. This is not the responsibility of the First Baptist Church of New York City, by the way, or the Los Angeles Baptist Temple. It's not their responsibility. It's every member of Victory Baptist Church's responsibility to further the gospel message. That's each one of us. I heard years ago someone said, stop coming to church and start becoming the church. It's a big difference there. A lot of times we just come to church because that's what we're supposed to do. That's because mom and dad make us or whatever the case. But we need to start becoming the church. That is the who. Well, now we go to the what. The church is not a building. We know this. We understand that. It's not a denomination, as some people think. But the Greek word for church is the word ekklesia. This is a compound word made of the preposition ek, which means out. 
And the verb kaleo means to call. The church is to be a called out of the world, a called out assembly of saved, baptized believers coming together to fulfill the Great Commission. That is our job. That is our responsibility as church members. Another question that is often asked is, when did the church start? Well, I believe, as I read there in Scripture, that the church began at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2. The baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, of God placed us in the church, which is the body of Christ. You can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 13. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have been made to drink into one Spirit. This is again reiterated there in Ephesians chapter number 4. Jesus laid the groundwork by training the disciples and established the church with the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is the who, the what, and the when about the church. It's what we label, I guess, the picture of the church. Now we come to the why. Number two this morning is the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church. We're there in Ephesians chapter 4. Look with me at verses 14 and 15. Ephesians chapter 4 Verses 14 and 15 says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Again, the purpose of the church has become a topic of discussion in many religious communities. Many have their own ideas and opinions of why the church even exists. To the unsaved, the church is a place for those that are weak and need something to lean and to go to and to be a part of. We're not able to to mentally or emotionally handle life itself, so we need the church to lean on to help us through. The church is looked at as uh, the goody-goodies of society, if you would, uh, and that it exists to meet together to meet people's needs. The unsaved come to the church for help when they want food, when they want shelter, when they want money for bills, and oftentimes thinking that we are nothing more than just another governmental agency to help people in need. And yes, we try to help people. That's why we have our food pantry. We want to be a help to those that are in need. But we're much more than just that. There are some who come to church with the idea that church is a place to establish a network of people to help maybe grow their own business. Some use it as a fundraising tool for Little League or Girl Scouts or the high school band. There are even some who attend church because they want to be entertained. They want the music that appeals more to the hip than the heart. That's what draws them in. They love the music more than the message. Yes, we do find Jesus singing in Scripture, but that's not what his focus was. It was the message. But the church should be a place of worship. That is more than just a type of music. Worship is something that we should do to God. It's something we should deliver to God. It's something we should, again, exalt to God. Our focus should be on worshiping our Savior, not our selfish desires. A place of exalting God and not the good of man. A time of glorifying the only one worthy of our praise. Some ask, what does that look like? Let's take it from another direction, if you would. How do you act when your favorite sports team is playing and winning? What is your reaction to a touchdown, a home run, or whatever? What do you talk about on Monday morning after a win with your friends and family? Do you know their names of the players? 
Do you know their stats? Now, look at yourself when you worship. How do you feel? What do you say? What do you do? How much do you know? We celebrate those that bring us entertainment, but we criticize the one who brought us everlasting life. We applaud the celebrity, yet we are appalled by our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins, and we can't even give Him a few minutes of our day to worship Him. That's how sad society has become. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. There's nothing wrong with excitement, and we should have that, yes. There's nothing wrong with emotion, because God gave it to us. But how are we using it? Where are we using it at? In what way are we using it for God's glory? Yes, we should come in. We should celebrate. We should worship. And uh, again, we should do it excitingly. But how often do we do that? Are we including these things in our worship? Or are we too afraid of what others may say? Our worship consists of glory and praise. Praise means to express gratitude, to applaud, or to honor. First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I hope you praise the Lord. He has done so much for us that he is worthy to be praised. And our purpose is to worship God and to gain wisdom. Again, that's why we're here. Look back again at Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 14. It says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. There are more people out there today that are trying to trick us to get us to believe what they want us to believe versus what the Bible says. And you know what? A lot of people today have become so lazy that they just say, okay. Okay, I'll do whatever you say. Instead of getting back in the Word of God, studying it for themselves, learning it for themselves, to where they're not pulled away by every wind of doctrine. We understand the idea of wind living in Kansas, right? We understand, especially now that the leaves are falling and how much it blows around and this, that, and the other. We were out the other Saturday out here cleaning and it seemed like the wind was blowing one direction until uh, Travis started painting the steeple. And the wind changed right into his face. And uh, thankfully, he had sunglasses on. He did look like a little uh, raccoon, but that's okay. But we understand wind and how it can work. And we are pulled this way by this doctor. And then we're pulled back this way because we don't know. We don't take time to study it for ourselves. This is why the Bible says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I don't want to be pulled in another doctrine. I don't want to be pulled against what God has already given us. So it's important that we take time to gain that wisdom that God is speaking of in his word here. We come to this church building. We assemble together so we can learn more about the Lord and his word. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. As believers, we should want to know more about him and understand more about what he's given us. Understand his word better because we love him. The more we know, the more we love. The more I understand who I am and all I've done wrong, the more I love the Lord for what he's done for me. 
I come here not as someone with knowledge, but one who seeks wisdom from the Lord. This brings us to the ultimate goal and purpose of the church, and that is to witness to others. As the church, the body of Christ, we have been given the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even, even until the end of the world. Amen. Again, this is the main focus and purpose of the church. If we don't tell others, then who will? Every believer has been left here on this earth to be a witness, a shining light in this ever-darkening world to show God's goodness and salvation. But many churches have left this command aside. They have decided it's not worthy to do. We're going to do this other thing. We're going to have this and we're going to have that. Or we're not going to have our social club. We're not concerned about the Great Commission. We're not concerned about reaching others with a gospel message. But think about this. Where would you be today if someone didn't take the time to share with you the message of salvation? It's our turn to be that voice. We looked at the picture of the church, the purpose of the church, and now let's notice the plan of the church, the plan of the church. Look with me to Ephesians chapter 14, verse number 16. It says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by every wind, or excuse me, every joint supplieth according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, maketh intercession of the body into the edification of itself in love. I wanted to do something this morning. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Yes, I am. I'm going to do it now. You got somebody next to you, right? Touch them. So I act like, you guys don't want to touch. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, if we were to think about that and take that verse, every joint that supply, if this is a joint, I'm to supply the next person. You were to supply the next person and the next person, and the next person. And if we were all to join hands together, we're not saying kumbaya, but if we would join hands together, it would have to flow from one person around. Why? That's how the Word of God is spread. That's how God grows us and helps us, because I'm going to help you, and you're going to help me. Every joint supplieth. We've got to be joined together if we're going to help someone. How can a church not have unity and grow if we're not together? This is the importance of the church. You know, this is why we come together. This is why we meet together. Can you imagine, remember what it was like in COVID? <laughs> Did you see anybody? Did you talk to anybody? Did you get encouragement much from anybody? No, I didn't. I got to talk to a camera. And behind that camera was Dustin. <sighs> Vice versa, by, by the way, when he was, I was, so that was it. That was it. But you know, when we started meeting together, didn't matter if we had gloves and masks and everything else, full body suits, we got together. And nobody wanted to shake hands, but it was just encouraging. Oh, hey, how you doing? I haven't seen you a long time. So good to see you. Good to see you. And there's Nick. Uh, <laughs> good to see you. Good to see you. It's good to see you. Man, it just is an overwhelming feeling. We were like, we're never going to do that again. But since then, how have we broken that joint? How have we dislocated that joint? If we're not joined together, we're not going to grow. We're not going to help each other. We're not going to encourage each other. It's going to be more of a... We've got to stay connected. 
And that's the purpose of the church. That's what we're to do. Again, join together, understanding that we are to spread that message that God has given us. Again, that's the, the plan of the church. But let me ask you this. What is your plan when you come to church? Are you willing and able to connect those joints? Many respond, well, I do whatever I'm asked. Let me help you with something. Stop. Stop. Don't come just to say I'm here or just follow whatever's been asked of me to do. Come with a purpose and a plan. Come with a mindset of singing the best you can. How many people sang their hearts out this morning? Did you think about the songs we sang? Well, I don't like those songs. Read the words to those songs. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. We should come ready to sing about God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Do we sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord, or are we just singing because somebody stood up here and said, turn to this page? The songs we sing during our service, some people may not like, but they are rich in theology and knowledge of who God is. These songs are prayed over, wanting to be an encouragement to the saints and even exalt the Savior. These songs are focused on lifting up the name of Jesus, worshiping only Him. We sing about God, and in our efforts, we should be singing to God. When we sing, or someone else comes and sings a special, guess what? It's not for your entertainment. It's to praise the Lord. No one here is to put on a show. That's not why people get up to sing that special. It's not to, hey, look at me and how great I am. That's not what it's about. As we sing, it's something we should plan to do with all we have. There are times, and I hope you're the same way, that you sing a certain song maybe you like, that you kind of lose your breath, you, you're giving it all you got, and you don't have anything left. And if I wasn't afraid of coming up here to try to preach without a voice, I would sing a lot louder. Because there are times when those songs just strike a chord in my heart and just make me stop and think about the words that are there and all that God has done for me. But that's how we should sing. We should be giving it all we have. Be winded, if you would, of giving it everything. But how often do we do that? I know a lot of people who use the excuse, well, I can't sing very well. Well, guess what? The psalmist wrote in seven, at least seven different occasions about making a joyful noise. How many people can make a noise? Yeah, all of us. We can go back to the nursery and they can make noise. Psalm 66.1, Psalms 81.1, Psalms 95.1, Psalms 95.2, and so on. But Psalms 98, verse number four says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth, not just those who think they can sing. Make a loud noise, not a soft, I hope no one hears me kind of sound. And rejoice and sing praises. We need a plan to sing our best to God. How about making a plan to come to church to show love? Oh, wait a minute. I'm not going to talk to that person. I'm not going to talk to this person. I don't like that person. And on and on we go. Hebrews 10.25, again in a familiar passage, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another 
so much the more as we see the day approaching. Exhorting means provoking or egging on to good deeds by words. To call near or invite. Have this type of mindset. I'm going to plan to be a blessing to someone today. That would be a novel kind of thing in church, wouldn't it? I'm going to encourage someone. I'm going to compliment someone. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to talk to somebody I've never talked to before. Most of all, we need a plan to share his message. We see the remainder of uh, this reminder, excuse me, in the auditorium every time we walk in. Matthew chapter 16, verse 15. Go, you there, go into all the world and preach the gospel. This is a reminder for all of us. It's a command given to us by God himself. It's not just for the pastor. It's not just for the church staff. It's not just for the Sunday school teachers. It's a message that we all need to share. But if you never plan on doing it, then you will never do it. And I've always heard those who fail to plan, plan to fail. Take a track on your way out and give it to somebody. Invite your neighbor to church. Make it a plan to do what God wants. And in doing that, always remember to have patience. Oh, man. Our grandkids were here this past weekend. And I don't remember how many times that was said. We had a lot of kids in the house, actually. You need to have patience. We even sing the song, have patience. No. Kids don't want to have patience. Children of God don't want to have patience. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How long-suffering are you when it comes to the things of God and His church? How often do we get mad or offended by those in the church? After all, they should know better, right? Yes, they should. And we should be long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. In being patient, we should never question God. Don't question God. Verse 1 says, wherewithal ye are called, we are called to worship the Lord. We are called to work for the Lord. We are called to witness for the Lord. Just as Paul said in this first verse, do these things like it's your vocation, your job. If we treated our job like we treat our witness, how much would we get paid? Don't question God and don't quit on God. Verse number three says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. We must never quit serving and doing what God has called us to do in this church and for this church. It's important enough that Jesus died for the church. We should be willing to live for the church. So, we go back to the initial question. Why do I come to church? What's your reasoning for being here this morning? I hope these four things will maybe help give you a better understanding of why we are here. I ask that you bow your heads this morning and close your eyes as we have a time of invitation. Go back to what I said originally.